welcome to a special bonus episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by my co-host Jason Brooks. And we are more than glad to have on the phone today with us from ProWrestling.net, Jason Powell, who uh, you can hear on Blog Talk Radio, Mondays, half hour after Raw, and also on Tuesdays with Wade Keller. Jason, how are you doing today? Hey, good, guys. Happy we could finally make this work out. I'm sorry my schedule is a little bit hectic during the summer months. Glad to have you, Jason. Uh, Starting right off the bat, uh, Raw was what you would call not exactly the most exciting show, but it ended with a bang with uh, Seth Rollins making making the turn. I guess we could start off simply with, do you think it was the right guy to turn? And where do you think this goes, short term or long, long term? Oh, boy. I mean, that's the, that's the big question is whether it was the right guy. I mean, Dean Ambrose just jumps out at everybody, I think, is like the natural heel. Rollins has the flashy baby face, high spot offense, and uh, the pretty boy looks and all that. And you would think that he, they, they would have gone with Ambrose for that reason. I kind of wonder if this has more to do with Rollins being able to get a good match out of uh, Roman Reigns or a better match. If they just feel better about that. I mean, so much of their focus is on making Roman Reigns the next guy. And I don't think there's, unless they just hit the panic button and they, they just get cold feet with this, I don't think it's going to play out where he's working as a double agent because there's really no reason to. Evolution was done. They've beat, beaten them twice. So, I, you know, barring any kind of cold feet, I, I think Rollins comes out of this okay, assuming he's not just squashed by Reigns. I don't think they'd go, I don't think they'd be that crazy. Ambrose is the guy that I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that he's going to get a chance to kind of shine here because Reigns, they keep his promo so short, and we know what a great Mike guy that Ambrose can be, but he hasn't really had a chance to show that yet. So now he's going to get more Mike time, and I've really been impressed by the way he sells. So let's, let's not rule him out of this equation yet. I, I, even though I would have went Ambrose, I kind of see, I, I think I see their logic. So, you know, with the Shield, obviously, they're broken up, partially at least. And the rumor is, is that the WWE really wants to make Reigns the guy and make him the next top guy down the line when Cena retires or whatever he does. My question is twofold. One, do you like the idea of them giving Reigns the Reigns, so to speak, in terms of being the top guy at some point? And... Who do you think out of these three could be kind of the Marty Jannetty out of the group? Who who do you think is could be the guy that doesn't make it necessarily as a big top level guy? I do. I'm very and I'm very high on range talking with a number of people in the company about him. They say, I mean, he's got the right attitude. This is a guy who's not afraid to tell upper brass, Vince included, that hey, I want this. And it, there's still so much for him to prove. He's not. He, he's been very protected as part of the Shield, both, I think, wisely, both on the mic and in the ring. But I, I think the pedigree is there, I, and, and uh, I definitely I, I see why they're pushing him. He's the coolest guy in WWE, if you really think about it. Uh, the, the Genetti of the group, I don't. I tell you what, if that happens, it's, it's either somebody, if one of those guys screws up, Hopefully that's not the case, and, and Jannetty had some of those issues. But Or creatively, they dropped the ball. Because 
none of those guys should be the Gennetti of the trio. None of them. I mean, they're they, all three guys have so much upside here that uh, I, I think Ambrose someday is going to be a phenomenal heel, and maybe by waiting for him to actually break away from Reigns, maybe they build up to that a little bit more so that it packs more of a punch when he does and he actually gets launched a lot hotter. And uh, Rollins, I mean, I you can always flip him back and I, you know, maybe he'll prove, maybe he'll turn out to be a really good baby face, but I hate to give you kind of a cop-out answer, but I just, I, I think the sky is the limit for all three. Now, do you, do you go by the idea that the shield sells so many t-shirts and is so over that you continue and bring in a third member, or do you think this is the time where they're as hot as they're most likely going to be and you go and you just do some, I guess, tag team matches, for the moment, and then these guys all go their own way. Is there anybody that you see could be a third member? Only guy I see possibly like in an NXT might be like a Corey Graves, who I don't even know if he fits that. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought of Graves, and he's a guy that I do like down there that just really, for whatever reason, since they started the push, the live specials hasn't gotten any attention. I know he was injured there for a while, but I, I thought he would have been back in the spotlight. He, I mean, he doesn't jump out as like an obvious guy. Um, but no one does. I, I've heard people mention Sami Zayn, and that doesn't seem like a good fit either. If they, I mean, if the right guy exists, okay, give it a shot. But I, I don't. I totally get the idea of trying to sell that merchandise, but it might just have to be a two-man version of the group for a while while they, you know, continue to, to sell those T-shirts. Because I, I don't see anyone. Am I, am I missing anyone, guys? I don't see anybody. I mean, I think, but you know, we didn't know what they would do with the Shield in general. Maybe Adrian Neville, you know, possibly they could hide his, you know, mic skills. And he's great in the ring, so maybe a guy like him. I'm not sure where they could go with that. I'm not either. I just, man, it, you know, the guy I actually had pegged at one time was Leo Kruger, who's now Adam Rose, and I don't see that happening. It was like, okay, if they happen to like at the time, it was if if Ambrose leaves the group. Who would it be? And that was a guy who went back to just he's, he had he had a different look. Uh, he he was a, a, certainly a different character. I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will remember him from NXT. But those who don't, you're going Adam Rose. It's like okay, no, not Adam Rose, but Leo Kruger went back when he played that character. I think there was a way to morph that in. But like I say, I don't see that happening either. So I don't know what they do. It, it's a very perplexing move. Yeah, I agree. Now going on to the kind of co-main event of Payback which is John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, obviously, he lost the feud. He didn't get a clean win in the feud. And now he's kind of doing a disappearing act, so we'll see what happens on SmackDown. Corey always reads the spoilers, and I never read the spoilers, so I don't know exactly what happened just yet. But my question for you is, where do you think they go with Bray Wyatt? Um, how important is this next feud for him as far as kind of establishing him as that you know main event-level star? And where do you see them going with him in terms of the feud? You know, he does need a bounce back now. I, I would hope that the feud with Cena is over. It seems like it was based on Monday. It looked like Cena kind of moved on to Kane. Um, I don't... If Daniel Bryan were healthy, I, I'd much rather just have John Cena and Kane do their thing off to the side and, and have Ray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan feud, but the problem there is him for a Wyatt does kind of need a win. I don't know, I guess losing one more program, if it were, to Daniel Bryan for the championship, if he even keeps that thing, 
would be one way to. Uh, I mean, it. it I, you're losing to Cena and Daniel Bryan, then maybe you do something bold with him afterward to try to get his heat back. I mean, that's the, the great thing about Bray Wyatt is that he is just so damn good on the mic that he can get that heat back so quickly. So, you know, there's there's really no shame in dropping one to Daniel Bryan. So maybe that's the route I would go. I, I don't know what they have in mind for him. I don't know if we're going to get a real good feel. I, I just wonder at this point if he's in the Money in the Bank match. Now, bringing up uh, Money in the Bank, they gave themselves an out on Monday with if uh, Daniel Bryant is able to go, he'll have an awful stretcher match with Kane. If he can't, Money in the Bank will be for the title. The way that they did that, I don't know, just me, but I I love Daniel Bryant. He's a great worker and it's a great story. But if you're giving me the option of Money in the Bank for the title or seeing Kane versus Daniel Bryant in a stretcher match, it's awful to say, but I think I would go and want to see the Money in the Bank for the title. Yeah. Oh God, we had that. We had that conversation yesterday in uh, .NET Weekly, and I, I came to the same conclusion. It's like as much as Daniel Bryan deserves to hold the title, and you know, to go out dropping on his terms, it's unfortunate injuries occur, and I, I, I feel. I mean, I guess my first preference is that. He's healthy, obviously, and he gets to defend the championship. But, yeah, clearly money in the bank for the vacant championship is the much more attractive match than Kane and Daniel Bryan. I just wonder if they do have to go with the money in the bank match for the title, is there a second match? Do they give the briefcase to Seth Rollins as a payoff for joining the group? I'm not quite sure, because you would think they'd want that briefcase in place somehow. (laughs) So, on a bigger note with Daniel Bryan, we know everything that's happened to him, the big push that he got, the WrestleMania main event victory, the WWE World Heavyweight title, then unfortunately his father passed away, now he got hurt. It seems like with this feud with Kane, and maybe it's just a feud to just kind of have him feud with someone because they have anyone to feud him with, but I feel like the WWE maybe I don't want to say losing faith in him, but that's the way it appears to be by how they booked him, you know, on TV, how he's looked. Where do you see them going with him? Do you think that the WWE, The Office, McMahon, Triple H, do you think they really believe in Daniel Bryan as a main eventer? Or do you think that they kind of did what the fans wanted to do and then eventually he'll lose the title and kind of be back to that, you know, mid-card, well, maybe main event, but more mid-card guy that he was before I think Vince got dragged into this kicking and screaming. I mean, I think we saw that with the way they positioned Batista. And, you know, anyone who tries to say that, oh, they had Daniel Bryan winning the way he did in mind the whole time is crazy. Um, Oddly enough, there was so much just suspicion and and negativity about it's Triple H doing this. He's sabotaging Daniel Bryan. And everything I heard was that he was the guy going to Vince going, "We, we need to do this. We need to do more with Daniel Bryan. So, I, I mean, I don't know where Vince stands on Daniel Bryan today. I don't know how much the injury, you know, how they're going to look at that. Because when, you know, when Dolph Ziggler got the concussion, everyone just assumed, okay, it's unfortunate. You know, he's going to, they're going to do the double turn now, and, and but he'll, he'll come out of this okay. And he never did. I, I don't see a massive downfall like Dolph had for Daniel Bryan. But I, I don't know where they stand. If they're just fearsome, that if there's some concern there that he's just going to be injury prone. I don't know. I, I would hope not. Um, I, I just I worry that they're trying to rush him back too soon. They're, they're putting some pressure on him. 
Uh, granted, he has to be cleared by doctors, but you know, I mean, you, you have to go there and, and answer those doctor questions. And it's easy; it would be easy for Brian if he really wants to keep that title and get back as quickly as possible. Go, I'm great. I feel great. When he doesn't, you know, and, and hopefully he's not that he he, he would, wouldn't do that. Uh, hopefully he realizes like longevity is certainly more important than the title reign is right now. But I, I don't like that they're doing this. I, I just wish they would have made a definitive decision and, and just stuck to it. Uh, going on, it's going to sound like maybe a little bit of a left field question, but I guess right now I think it's either today or tomorrow. It's been two months since WrestleMania, and looking back now, was ending Undertaker's streak put it nicely, worth it? I mean, because besides Paul Heyman, you know, doing the great promos every week saying, you know, my guy ended the streak, do you think in the long run this has been worth the idea of ending, you know, such a major part of the build of WrestleMania every year with The Undertaker? I, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. I'm, I'm still trying to keep an open mind to maybe somehow, some way they can make me feel differently. I just don't have faith in them. I, I mean, I worry that, like, they're going to feel obligated now to put the title on Brock Lesnar, like they already, even if Daniel Bryan does come back and work money in the bank, they've got the end date in mind, it's the first time Daniel Bryan faces Lesnar, and they're going to feel the need to try to justify that move by making Lesnar as strong as humanly possible. I mean, he's a part-time guy, and if it was the right full-time guy, I, I was, you know, I was open to the streak ending under the right circumstances, but... Not so much to a part-time guy like Brock, and, and, and I, I think Brock's a great worker. There's so much to like there. But, I, I no, I, I don't think it was the right move. Um, let, I guess let's see what they do. And, and I think if, wrestle, if things go well for Brock at Mania time and all that, I think you're going to get a lot of people who are defending the streak going, see, I told you so. But it's not just about this year's WrestleMania. It, it's about you know, the future going forward beyond that WrestleMania because Undertaker's streak is something, if he was up to it, they could have continued to revisit as long as he was able to. And, and I still think that they frustrated some viewers who never wanted to see that streak end under any circumstances. So I would not have done it personally. So moving on from the past, which is The Undertaker, to the future, which is NXT, um, I, you know, reading some of your stuff, you're a big fan of NXT. You were a big fan of NXT TakeOver, which both Corey and I were. And I noticed you're also a big fan of Triple H kind of moving them in this direction, which seems to be more wrestling-based, simple storylines. Who in NXT do you feel like could be, you know, the next big star? That's one. And two, do you see... Triple H's influence over the WWE product as a whole in terms of changes over the last couple of years or so? I Boy, I mean, you look at the roster, and, you know, Zayn certainly jumps out. My only concern there is he's a little, you know, the story might be a little too similar to Daniel Bryan, depending on, I guess there's a different way of telling it, but I just think he's so good, he's going to get over. Is he going to be... The guy headlining WrestleMania like Daniel Bryan did, well, hard to say. I mean, he's going to have to face some of those same obstacles that Daniel Bryan did because of his size and, and whatnot. But I like him a lot. Obviously, Adrian Neville is very good. I, I think Tyler Breeze, once they add another dimension to the character as a guy to watch, I think those are probably the big three. And with Triple H, you know, I, I'm excited about the future after seeing what we have in NXT. And granted, it's, it's very different. You know, he's able to book monthly, you know, once a month they do their tapings and we've seen two live specials and both those live specials were excellent. And you know, it's, it, it's easier to do that than the grind of 52 weeks a year 
Monday Night Raw, and, and all the other things that come with it. So he's optimistic as I am right now, thinking that, hey, someday when he takes over creatively, things could get better. And I, you got to keep that in the back of your mind, like the, the wear and tear. And who knows what his vision is for WWE. We know what his vision is for NXT. And I actually asked him that on a conference call, uh, trying to get an answer from him. And he kind of, you know, he, he's very good at answering what he wants to and, and giving you some, giving you something but not really answering the question. And that, was, unfortunately, was one where he really didn't didn't want to get into, I don't think, whether at the, 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 what we see in NXT is his vision for how WWE is going to be someday. Now, uh, sticking with NXT, do you – and I guess this is more of what, you, what you've seen so far. We had the first major class with the Shield – and the Wyatts. The secondary class that's come up of Emma, Paige, Adam Rose, Rusev. Do you, is there a, why do you think that those first groups were so successful and these newer guys, maybe besides Rusev to a small extent, haven't really appeared to really worked on the main, the main stage so far? I think, you know, I think Emma and Adam Rose are two acts that got over in the small studio setting. And, and I don't know, it, I don't think they did a good job of setting up Emma for one thing. And it was just kind of, okay, she, she does the dance. And it's like, but the dance didn't get over organically with the WWE crowd. It did with the NXT crowd. So they left something out there. I think putting her with Santino, they just labeled her undercard comedy act. And it's too bad because she's very talented. Adam Rose, I mean, that, that, that gimmick just really clicks right there in that studio. You bring it to the main roster, and, eh, I mean, the, thank God for Jim Johnson because the song certainly works and people like the song. I don't know that they're really that into the act. And I think, you know, that first wave that they had, those are guys who were in develop, developmental in some cases for quite some time. I mean, Rollins got very frustrated, I think, with being down there as long as he was. And so they were the cream of the crop in developmental for so long that I think, it, you know, it, they were completely ready for that transition. And they were, fortunately for the Wyatts, they stuck with the gimmick that worked in NXT. And then fortunately for the Shield members, they came up with a great gimmick to introduce them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about Russo too, or Rusev, I should say. Not optimistic at all about Vince Russo. But, uh, when it comes to Rusev, I think he, you know, I worry a little bit because I see something in the gimmick. I like it, but then I hear, like, on Chris Jericho's podcast, he just openly says, like, eh, I'm not quite seeing this. So I don't know if there's something that a wrestler spots in the ring that he's got some deficiencies that they, that, that concern them. But I, I, right now, at least, I like the upside of the character. Uh, sticking with NXT. So as you probably can tell, we're big fans of NXT. Um, you know, we, we love things, you know, the future guys coming up and seeing what they're going to do. And speaking of NXT, you know, they're at Full Sail University, and they, you know, have, what, 400, 500 people, you know, that's about their crowd during their tapings. It's almost like an indie show in a way where most of the gimmicks are kind of getting over at least a little bit with the crowd. Do you see them, I don't know, maybe not moving out of Full Sail University, because that seems to be the place that they're going to be, but occasionally going somewhere different to see if those gimmicks can get over in other spots? I do. You know, that's another thing I asked Triple H about in one of the two conference calls that he's done now is, uh, you know, we know that uh, in, in WrestleMania next year in Santa Clara, WWE made sure that uh, they're making it very difficult for independent promotions to run in the same town. They pretty much have uh, a block on running within the same city or, you know, I, I don't know how far the radius goes. And it was like, okay, that maybe they're just being very stubborn.
stubborn and trying to force out some of the indie promotions and, and the uh, the fan fest type things. But then I also was like, I wonder if they're going to expand their own access and even, you know, instead of you drive away all the indie promotions and that takes away something from WrestleMania weekend for some of the people that go down there. But what if all of a sudden they ran an NXT show and he not only did he confirm that they've considered doing that, uh, he wouldn't, you know, say that it's locked in necessarily to this one. He said he'd like to do that for other shows. You know, I just, I'm guessing like SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, you know, instead of, uh, so, so maybe, you know, WrestleMania weekend with the Hall of Fame being Saturday, maybe you get an NXT special on Friday night. Uh, and, and just, I, I think that would be really cool to see those guys where I, I wouldn't expect it to be in the big arena setting or anything, but just a chance for them to work in front of a passionate wrestling crowd in, in a different town, I, I think would be great. One last thing on NXT, there's been rumors on, on your site and others that Kevin, uh, Kevin Steen, you know, basically has to pass a physical. There's been talk about, you know, Kenta, Prince Devitt. Do you think these guys are going to be able to go and be successful in the NXT system, you know, change their style enough and be on the main roster in a good amount of time? Or do you think that these guys are indie guys and they may not be ready for the WWE, their style and everything else. And when it comes to Kevin Steen, do you think they could go and put Sami Zayn with Steen and try to get some of that magic back with they had in ROH? Yeah, I mean, I've said that too selfishly. I'd like to see them just, okay, if they feel like Sami's ready for the main roster, that's great. But how about paying him main roster salary or just, you know, downside keeping him in NXT and letting them, you know, revisit that program. Just selfishly, I want to see that. I'm sure Sami Zayn would be like, no, I'd rather go to the main roster. But Steen is the one that, that kind of sticks out. You worry about a little bit just because he has had trouble with conditioning. He, to his credit, he got himself in really good shape for the tryout, which surprised a lot of his peers in Ring of Honor that really didn't. They were waiting for him to come up with an excuse to, to get out of it, just different things, and he got himself in good shape. So that's encouraging. He's had, you know, his, his knee issues and whatnot. I, I think the conditioning factor is the big one to watch with Steen. Also, you know, what does he, what does he look like if he does continue to drop weight? Does he look the part anymore? This, I mean, it, it sounds like a small thing, and it's the best thing he could do, obviously, for his career and lighten the burden on the knees and, and just get himself in better shape. But um, he's the guy that, uh, you know, Devitt, I think, is certainly main roster material. Uh, I, I can't even remember the other guy you said, but certainly Steen, I, I think, is the big question mark of the trio. I can't even remember. Who was, I'm sorry, who was the third? Uh, Kenta from Noah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would think if you're going to bring him in, I mean, they know how good he is. And, and so I would think if you're going to bring him in, yeah, maybe you bring him down to developmental to kind of work on the WWE style, if you will, and just kind of get him acclimated. But I, I'd be surprised if he was down there long. One uh, thing, you know, we've been talking about Triple H, been talking about uh, the future, talking about the past. Let's talk about the present and kind of what's been going on on Raw, on SmackDown, and on the pay-per-views with one Stephanie McMahon. Um, she's been on TV a lot. Every week she has one or two segments. I love Stephanie McMahon, what they've done with her. I think she's been phenomenal. Do you think that... However, she's taking away a little bit from the other wrestlers who are there because, you know, she's on there, she's on the mic all the time, and that's great, but I don't see her getting in the ring or anything like that. So I don't know if I really see a legitimate payoff in terms of a pay-per-view. Um, 
do you think she's on too much? Do you think she's taking away from uh, some of the, you know, roster, some of the wrestlers on the roster? I, you know, there was a time I definitely think she did take something away, and she wasn't being a good heel. She was, you know, it, both her and Triple H, it almost seemed like they were bigfooting. They were just, you know, stealing the spotlight, and look what it did to Randy Orton. Randy Orton hasn't meant nearly as much since he joined their act as he did before. But, you know, it, it, something really seemed to change there. That they seem much more comfortable in their roles. She's an all-out heel. They're not trying to do the cutesy stuff like they were, and where it's like they're saying all these baby-faced things and they're just confusing people. They, they pretty much, you know, she'll still try to act like she's doing it for the fans, but she does it in a way where you know she's a heel. And, and I wouldn't rule out Stephanie getting in the ring. It's nothing I've heard, uh, but, I mean, I think you just see watching the, the situation with Brie Bella play out, I don't know if it's going to be a singles match between the two, if it'll be a mixed tag match, but I don't rule it out. And if nothing else, hey, that slap that uh, Brie threw at Stephanie, that's a, that, that made Brie more over than she's ever been. So I guess there's one example of Stephanie doing something to elevate someone. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think she has been unbelievable. One of the best parts of the show every week. I mean, that kind of that snarkiness. I mean, part of you, I mean, we talk about heels getting over in wrestling. I feel like she is a natural heel, and as much as we get kind of the Bray Wyatt kind of, you know, he's a heel, but people like him, people legitimately seem to not like Stephanie McMahon, and they boo the hell out of her, and I think she's one of the few people on the roster in the WWE who the fans really, really seem to hate and kind of does get that heat from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, she and she was, I always thought, you know, when she was doing the daddy's little girl, the princess bit, she was a little too over the top. I mean, it worked. It certainly, I can't take anything away from her. It worked at that time. It just seems like something, she's just so much more comfortable. She knows, she's a performer now. You know, before, I just think it was probably just a lot of fun and she was finding her way as she went, where now she just seems like she's a veteran and out there when she goes out there and cuts those promos and, and she knows how to get a response out of the fans. And, I mean, it's hard to tell what's scripted, what's not sometimes, which I guess is to her credit also. But I think she seems quick on her feet. You know, there's times where maybe it is a scripted line, but I, I don't think every time where the fans say something and she's got that just the right comeback. And I, I, I think that's her being quick on her feet, and that's a testament to her. Uh, now, the, one of the big stories since WrestleMania, actually the last, you know, two years, I guess, is uh, the WWE Network. And the amount of people that are subscribing and the number that came out, how it affected, you know, the stock and everything else. What has been your initial opinion on the WWE Network? What things do you think have worked, haven't worked? Is there anything that really stands out? You, Besides the them not exactly marketing it, to put it nicely, the best. What has been your opinion yeah, on the network sure. so far? I, you're asking me at the wrong time because I've had nothing but trouble since TakeOver. <laughs> I have a PS3 and a PS4, and everything was really smooth. And, you know, if everyone, if there was a widespread problem, obviously I didn't encounter those. Um, ever since TakeOver, that night, it's just been like a main event. I was watching that covering it for the site, and I had to see the same move five times in a row because it kept going back. And then the, it goes from HD quality out of HD quality and just back and forth. I don't know what happened. I haven't had any kind of uh, issues. Uh, soft, you know, I haven't, I haven't changed it, my, my setup or anything like that since. So I don't know what's caused the problem. I'll have to look into that. But overall, putting that aside, just I just needed to get that out of my system because I'm still bitter about it. But uh, <laughs> I think that it, it's in, in some ways it's great. I mean, there's so much content there. 
I, I, I mean, the fact that you're getting the pay-per-views for $10 a month, just, just that alone is phenomenal. If someone said, hey, you could, you could buy this network, there's nothing on it other than the pay-per-views, and you get to see them for $9.99 a month, well, sign me up. And then, you, you know, you throw in all the other stuff they're giving you. That's great. I still think it could be a lot better. I don't like that, you know, I mean, world-class championship wrestling, hey, you watch, if you're following along with that, you get it, you start to get into a rhythm, you see a couple shows back-to-back, then they'll just skip a week. Then they'll just, you know, and then there's times where the live stream, you'll get the same pay-per-view from 1998 at 7 o'clock, and then they'll replay it again at 10 o'clock for no reason. Like, why? I, there's, I wish there was a little more rhyme, rhyme reason to what they're doing. I wish, it, it just seems like it needs... They need a face to it, someone that really will answer fan questions, respond, someone that really cares. It just kind of seems like they threw all this content up, and then they don't really do anything with it. Um, they don't, they're, they're, they're not good about telling you, hey, we just added Clash of Champions. And I, I just think they need a face to do that. And, and some of that does go into the promotion on Raw. I mean, it's just, this week was a commercial, and I didn't even pay attention to it because, well, it was a commercial. And... There, it, so there's so many things that I really love about it, but it just, I, it's frustrating that it's not as good as it could be. One thing with the WWE Network, I agree. I think it's been awesome for the most part with some minor issues here and there. But it seems like the WWE has been disappointed with the subscriber number. Um, some of their marketing stuff is really goofy um, with the get someone to subscribe and then give them 20, you know, they get $25 in WWE shop. Where do you, how do you, how do they get more subscribers to this network? How do they continue to sell the network to people to get them to, uh, to get them to subscribe? Because it seems like they are not terribly happy with the number and they're trying to get more people. So, you know, how do you think they can go about doing that? I, you know, to me, we can come up with a lot of, I mean, they, they should be having some fun. They should be doing a little more experimenting with some of the advertising they're doing and things like that. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they put out that, uh, a referral program, and then it seemed to disappear like a week later. And I'm guessing it still exists, but they just stopped promoting it. They've been really inconsistent, but I think the, the easy answer is you just make your product as strong as you can. And, yeah, I mean, they started at 667000 and I know that Wall Street, for some reason, thought they were going to be over a million after WrestleMania. I, every projection I ever heard from WWE was that we want to be over a million subscribers by the end of the year. And 667, yeah, WrestleMania is your peak, and who knows how many more American subscribers are going to get. But what happens when they open this up in Canada and in the U.K. and across the world? I, I, I do believe they're on pace for a million. I think the number is actually good. It could be better. There's, yes, there's definitely things they could do to, to, to try to entice people to sign up. They could, they could definitely be better in that regard. But 667 is a great start. And then, I mean, think about all the platforms it still needs to get on. The smart TVs. I mean, I know people with smart TVs that are just like, oh, I have the TV. I'll wait until it's, it's accessible on there before I sign up for this. I'm not going to go buy a Roku box or if they don't have a PlayStation or an Xbox. So, you know, slowly but surely, I think with the, with the platforms expanding, you'll get some growth there. But really, I think it's international. I mean, there's the rest of the world out there. I, I think 667 is a good, solid number for them. Um, let's, let me see how I could put this. Uh, now there, right now the network, like you said, is nine ninety nine a month. And depending on, you know, just like they did with pay-per-views back as time's gone on, less people buy the shows. So they raise the price to make up the difference. When you have the option with, when you f- sign up for WWE, that it could automatically, you know, roll your subscription over after the six month. 
ha- are they going to have problems if they want to go and raise the rate, you know, to like a 10.99, 11.99, or whatever they want to raise it to? If you have people automatically renewing, would that be? A, you think that could be a problem in regards to almost false advertising, where you could tell them we're automatically going to renew you, but we might raise the price? I would think. You know, I, I don't know technically if they would be able to do i don't think they could just surprise you know we we raised it two dollars and now you're on the hook for it there's nothing you can do but i I do think if they you you may have to go through the sign-up process again i just don't know the technicalities of it um but you know anytime you raise the price yeah you risk losing some people but i do think there's a core audience that's going to accept it and it, it, it the question is whether it's a wash you know do they or, or is worse than that? I mean, do you lose people because you raise the price to the point that whatever the increase is, you're suddenly losing revenue from that somehow? You don't want that to happen. But yeah, I mean, if it's a, if the six months expire and they want to raise it two bucks, I don't know that they're just going to be able to roll it over without at least notifying you in some big way. Like I said, you might have to go through the sign-up process again. And if that's the case, okay, well, that is a little bit more of a headache for people to do. And so, I, I mean, I think they should just leave it alone at least for the, for the next six months. They've already got Father's Day advertising out there for the full, for the, you know, basically you can lock in at that annual, at that same price on an annual basis. You just got to pay it all up front. So I don't know if that's a sign that they don't plan to increase the price just yet or, or what that is, but hopefully they'll leave it alone for a little bit. Uh, before we move on to uh, ROH, I just wanted to, do you think there's a number price range where if they put it at, you know, fourteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety? is there a number where you think the wrestling fans will just say, as much as we love the product, it's too much to pay a month? And for some, I do think you start to get into that fourteen ninety nine territory. That's probably the peak of what it should be for a while. Um, I mean, and I wouldn't go there right away either. I wouldn't go with a $5 increase. But if you build up to that over the next couple of years, you're going to lose some. But I do, like I said, I think there's that core audience there. A number, most people would still, you'd have to remind them, hey, the alternative is you could pay $55 for the HD feed of the pay-per-view every month and, and whatever it is now for WrestleMania. I mean, that's something they should be driving home more anyway. But uh, I, I think, you know, that's how I would look at it. It's like, well, 55 bucks, but not everyone's going to have wrestling as their highest priority. So, yeah, you would scare some people away. I think you start getting into the 1999 territory, and people are looking at it going, wait, I pay how much for Netflix, and they have all those movies from all those genres, and then there's WWE? No. You know, you're going to lose some casual viewers that way. Now, moving on to Ring of Honor. Um, I've been following Ring of Honor for the last couple of years, mostly since it's been on television and obviously with the past with Punk and Daniel Bryan and those guys. And I really think it's been a great product. And now they're going to have their first major pay-per-view on Sunday on, um, you know, regular cables. Um, so I will, and they're going to be in HD. And I know they're trying to do a lot in terms of making the TV presentation better than it has been in the past. One, the card itself looks to be, from someone who's been watching the show, it seems to be a lot of the same kind of matches that we've seen, Adam Cole against Elgin, um, some of those some of those things. Is this a card, one, that excites you? Um, two, do you see them, do you see this card being successful in terms of what they may want as far as pay-per-view subscribers? Um, and and where, do you, where do you see this card going? 
I like the card so far. I mean, the thing where I think Ring of Honor is missing is that big gun, you know, that uh, a, a real face of the company type guy. I mean, they may see it as Michael Elgin, and I, I really question. I, I don't think he's the guy for that. I like I the, the – yeah, and even though Adam – I mean, Adam Cole's got tremendous upside. I think he's a great young champion. I wouldn't take the title off him personally, but he's also not that guy right now. Long term, I think he has an ability to be. So they're, they're missing that. Um I think this show is going, the lineup thus far, I think it's, if you're watching Ring of Honor, you're going to order that show. If you're not watching Ring of Honor, those are the people they need to lure in. And they really need to do a full-on media blitz, do everything they can to, to raise awareness for this. Uh, I'm sure, I don't expect Sinclair to break the bank to advertise. It's just not, it doesn't seem to be their style when it comes to Ring of Honor. But they need to get the word out. They need to just get as many wrestling fans aware and excited about this, this pay-per-view as possible. That, to me, is the key more so than even what the card is. Because with TNA being in the shape that it's in right now, I think there's enough people out there that are hungry for an alternative. And you know, why not give it a shot? If, if people are saying, if, you know, if you're just a fan that maybe you only watch WWE and TNA, and right now you start, you, you've heard of Ring of Honor, you know some of the history there, and but you also know, okay, they had bad eye pay-per-view streams at one time, they've lost a lot of the talent over the years, but then you start hearing about, hey, the stream works, and hey, you know, the New Japan shows were really well uh, received by, by fans and critics alike, and uh, you, you start, yeah, wait, they're going to be on pay-per-view? I mean, that that's, I think those things are all encouraging, and so now it's just, it's on them. I, I think they probably have heard anywhere between five and 8,000, just, just depending on who's telling the story of the number of, of, of uh, pay-per-view buys they need to make this profitable. I think they can get that as long as they really have something, media blitz that week, and, and I hope they have it. I, I'm sure they'll have some, but I hope they just go all out. That That's the key. Uh, how important do you think uh, former WWE writer, Court Bauer has been to the process with ROH now that he's on in this marketing capacity? I think very. I, I, I don't know that you would have seen those uh, the New Japan shows without Court. Um, he's had a longstanding relationship with New Japan and just different people uh, in, in that promotion. And, uh, you know, so I think he opens that door to them. I don't know that to be 100% factual, but I, I, that's certainly my suspicion is that Court was heavily involved in all of that. Court's a go-getter. I mean, I've known Court for years going back to when he ran Major League Wrestling, not just as a podcast, but as a uh, actual promotion. And, I mean, he's, he's connected. He has, you know, connections in good places. Network television, uh, you know, just, and he knows the wrestling business. And I, I think Ring of Honor needed somebody in there to hustle like Court will to, to hopefully light a fire under the, uh, the rear sides of some of the, uh, of the Joe Coffs of the world and get them. I, I think Joe Coff falls into the trap of being way too content and just, you know, they get a little success with the New Japan shows and he thinks he's on top of the world and, He's he's new to this, you know, and and I think you need somebody like Court with that background that's been with WWE, that's run his own promotion, that has his finger on the pulse of the wrestling industry to know that, okay, this is good, but this isn't, you know, we, we haven't we haven't crossed the goal line yet. There's a long way to go. We're still back on our own twenty, and uh, you know, we we can get that touchdown if we put the work in. So I, I think that's where Court really comes in handy for them. Uh, now, moving on from a company I really, really enjoy watching to a company I don't really enjoy watching at all, uh, TNA, Impact Wrestling. Um, 
obviously they're trying to get this deal with Spike. Um, and they're, they've got all these shows in New York City. First of all, how are the negotiations with Spike going? Where do you see the future of the company going? Obviously, there's been some financial issues. They're letting a lot of guys leave. Um, the storylines, I don't even want to get into that. Because maybe Corey can get into that if he wants to. But where do you see the future of TNA as far as the TV negotiations and as far as the financial future of the company? I think as far as Spike will let them go, and, and I mean, I, I've heard rumblings that Spike would like to have them back, but until, you know, Penn is put to paper and there's an actual deal announced, then, you know, the, it, it is very much a mystery. And I, you know, all the talent cuts that have, that have occurred, they should have done that years ago. I mean, we've been preaching that, just, you know, wrestling media in general, that, hey, you're doing, you know, let's say it was a 1.0 rating at the time. It's like, all right, maybe you take a step back to a point nine if you get rid of some of the higher paid talent, but you're going to make money in the process. You quit wasting your money on these guys that people are tired of seeing. Try to give people an alternative to WWE. Go with the youthful product. You can have some veterans, but don't go so veteran crazy. And, you know, just, and so much of it, obviously, is the booking. I worry that the brand is dead. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to New York here for these shows at the Manhattan Center. I think it's a chance for them. Now that John Gaborik has pretty much turned, it seems feels like every wrestler on the roster, heel or babyface, I think a lot of that was done to kind of set the table the way he wants now that he's in charge of creative. And it's been painful to watch because it just seems like there's somebody turning every week. But now that we're there, now that we're getting out of you know Orlando and then they're going to the Manhattan Center, okay, I mean, hey, it's New York. And, and if things are – if they – if – TNA is its usual self, it could get ugly in a big hurry. But I hope they're looking at this as a chance to kind of relaunch almost. Uh, you know, key, obviously they're going to stick with their current storyline. It's not like they can go dark like WCW did for a couple of weeks at one time or anything like that. But I, I really hope they see this as the table is set. We've got the, the, the players lined up as heel or babyface, however we want. Now let's start, let's, you know, let, let's give these people the product that they want. Let's give people clean finishes. Let's stop with the Vince Russo-esque nonsense that they've been giving us for so long. And maybe, maybe they can salvage this thing. Uh, I mean, they're gonna, it, it's basically, they, they trim so much talent and so much payroll that I think they'll be fine financially as long as Spike TV gives them some, you know, a, a similar deal. But I really do worry that, like, they've just done so much damage to the brand. They need to quit with the heel authority figure nonsense. I mean, last night you closed the show with two heels arguing over control of the, about control of the company. As a viewer, what are you supposed to hope for? I mean, honestly, it makes no sense. Jason, I, just a quick follow-up. I, I, yeah, I put on Twitter, um, at work shoot pod, by the way. Um, you know, what's worse than one bad heel authority figure? Two bad heel authority figures. I mean, it's so, it's such nonsense. And I don't know how, and I know that you're, you know, trying to sound optimistic as far as New York City and maybe they'll do things the right way, but I don't know. I feel like we've seen no evidence that they either know what they're doing or that they listen to the audience or they care what the fans think. I feel like they're just doing whatever they want to do. The storylines are bizarre. I, I just don't have any faith in them. And going to New York City, if they do what they've been doing over the past many years, they're going to get destroyed by that audience. And it's going to look horrible on TV. I don't disagree. I don't think they've done anything to earn your faith. I don't. I think they're, they've been so bad for so long. They've had so many people 
telling them, this is what you're screwing up. This needs to change. You could be better. And they just dig their heels in. It doesn't seem to matter who's on the writing staff. They all make the same damn mistakes. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I've known people that that didn't work for TNA, that laughed at their stupidity, and then went to work for their writing team and repeated the stupidity. It's it's insane to me. I, you know, I mean, like I said, the brand, I feel like it's it, it's right there on the verge of death. I, I'm just trying to keep the door open for the, the, the small possibility that they change their ways. But at the same time, there's believe me, there's a part of me going, no, don't. If you guys really think this is the way, you think you know better than everyone else, and it's just the net, internet doesn't like you, and it's Universal Studios' fault with those jaded fans, and oh, everyone's too tough on TNA. Well, then go ahead and, and deliver the product that you're used that you normally do to the New York crowd and see how they react. I, I think it could be a real eye-opening six dates for them. And hell, I hear they're doing 13 dates in New York City. And you know that's the thing. It's like unless there is a wholesale change. Yeah, you can do a show or two or maybe three where, you know, you, you put your best foot forward. But eventually the real TNA is going to come out if there's not a real change made there, if they, have, if they don't change their ways. And when it does, it's going to get ugly, and they deserve it. Now, a couple of years ago, we had, uh, before we had all of these writers like Court Bauer uh, and Adam, you know, and Greenfield doing podcasts, it started off with uh, We Want Wrestling with Dave Lagana. And now Dave Lagana... I'm not sure if that was the gentleman you were talking about a moment ago, but Lagana has gone to TNA. Was he just, was he all smoke and mirrors in the WWE as a writer, or is he just born into the Kool-Aid and he's just gone in and done whatever whatever you want, Dixie, TNA is, what, is your baby, I'll, I'll write whatever you want. I mean, I thought that he was, you know, from that time when he was in WWE with ECW and SmackDown, it looked like it was a pretty good product, but Lagana looks like, you know, who, whatever happened to Dave Lagana, you know? I, I don't. It's because of the way they operate. It's such just a, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, chicken blank approach. I don't know if I can cuss on the show or not. Say whatever you, um, say whatever you like on this All one. right. Cool. Well, then I feel better about saying chicken shit because chicken blank sounds awfully stupid. <laughs> but it, it, the approach they take is, is completely chicken shit that, Oh, we're all, we, no one knows who's doing what. We're all one big team. No one takes the criticism and no one takes all the glory. And it's like, if you're responsible for this, step up, own it, wear it. And, you know, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm a guy that's on that creative team and I, and I'm just doing the grunt work and somebody else is coming up with ideas and my job is just to format things. I'm letting everyone know whose idea this is and, and who's really running that ship because I wouldn't want to go down with it. I mean, you can, you can say there's something to be said for loyalty that, you know, you're, you're buying into the team concept. In Dave's case, if that's what it is, and I would assume that, let's say, TNA crashed and burned tomorrow. They, Dixie just announced this on Saturday morning that uh, we're done. It's all over. Spike didn't want us. And when we're, we're not even doing Slammiversary, it's over. I think you'd see Dave. I think you'd see anyone involved in TNA creative going, start finger pointing and saying, it's not my fault. But, you know, I mean, it's, when you're on that staff and you, you take the approach they do, and it really started with Eric Bischoff when he came in, that whole mentality that we're, we're a team and no one needs to know who's doing what. And I, I just disagree with it. I think that company needs a leader. They need a creative visionary, and they, they need to know who's in charge creatively. And you ask the talent, and 
they, I mean, they know who's all involved in the mix, obviously, and, and now they know on paper John Gabork is the guy. But there have been times where, I mean, guys that really are passionate, not just showing up to uh, throwing their arms up, going, oh, whatever, let's just get through the taping. But guys who really cared about TNA, that really wanted to see it succeed, and in some cases are no longer with the company, they were as engaged as anyone, and there were times when they had no idea who was truly calling the shots. They were guessing like everyone else. And it, it's just Bush League. It, is Lagana smoke and mirrors? Hey, I think it's a fair question to ask. I really do. I mean, I, I've joked about that on Twitter, too. I mean, he's the guy, or in my, I think it was in my hit list, actually. You know, he's the guy that said, we want wrestling, and, and here we are. Like, I didn't know his idea of wrestling was a bunch of just the worst of sports entertainment because that's not the wrestling I want, and I don't think it's the wrestling most people want. So I don't want to come down too hard on Dave without knowing exactly what he's doing. But, yeah, I think it's a very fair question to ask. Now, if... Like you said, if you know, all of a sudden TNA had to shut stores. I know when AJ left, he was in his late 30s, so WWE didn't have any interest. Are there one or two guys that you think if TNA shut its doors, WWE would be interested? And would it all? Do you think they would have to learn the WWE style and go to NXT, or would they actually, you think, be able to go right to the main roster? I think it would probably, you know. I- I don't think there's any shame in going to NXT for, for anyone to get acclimated to WWE style. Even Like, let's say it's two weeks. You know, you go down there, you put a little time in, you kind of get a feel for, hey, this is what life's going to be on the road. Uh, just everything, a little bit of orientation if you're a guy who's never been there before. Um, so that being said, I think a lot of guys, if, they, if there was interest, yeah, they would probably send them to NXT. Uh, I mean, a guy like Jeff Hardy who's been there before, Maybe he gets an, you know, an Undertaker type schedule where, you know, I don't think Jeff has any interest in working full time, but who knows? Um, certain, I, I would say he would probably be on a, a fairly short list. I think they'd evaluate everyone. I mean, there have been a lot of guys that have come and gone from TNA and WWE just hasn't shown interest, but I would think a guy like, even though they had their chance at him and, and let him resign with TNA, Bobby Roode, um, he's a guy that, like I said, I mean, it, Rude, I don't think there's much he's going to learn in NXT, but if they sent him down there just you know, for a week or something, no big deal. Uh, just put the time in. I, I, I just think they should make it – I know they're big. They like to protect storylines and everything, and I get that. And, and sometimes it can be tricky when you send somebody developmental. It's a little bit easier for word to leak. But I, I think I would just make it like it's automatic. Then there's no hard feeling. If you sign with WWE, you go to developmental for at least two weeks. At least. And then there's there's no stigma attached to it anymore. It's just considered a gimme that you go there. Jason, thank you so much for the time that you're giving us. We really, uh, really appreciate it. Um, we're going to let you plug all your stuff away at the end here. Um, just a question, my last one about Global Force Wrestling, or probably my last one about Global Force Wrestling. Jeff Jarrett's promotion. Um, what are your thoughts on the promotion? I know they've got this the cheesy website. They've got these webisodes, which... I don't know if they're really effective or not. Uh, they've got Dave Broom, the guy from 24-7 Productions, involved in the product. Um, what do you hear about um, from out there about Global Force Wrestling? What is your What are your personal views on the project? I, I, I mean, pretty much what everyone's kind of heard is a lot of speculation that this is going to start as some sort of reality show. Mm-hmm. And then morph into a wrestling company has kind of been the idea that I've heard on this, but it's never been anything confirmed by Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I, you know, until there's a, a television deal in place, I'm guessing that even if that, let's say that's what they've had in mind from the start, 
until you get a TV deal, it's just kind of, it just feels to me like you're dreaming, and your vision for it should com- be completely wide open. If you get a network that wants you, like, yeah, we don't care about the reality aspect of this. We, we'd like a wrestling promotion. We'll give them a wrestling promotion, and I'm sure they would. You know, So I think that, that's been the basic concept, though. I think that's why there's so much talk about all the indie talent that's available and starting from the ground up and all that is because I think there is some sort of reality TV deal or, or just concept in, 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 that, that goes along with this whole thing, especially when you hear about the guy from The Biggest Loser being involved. I, you know, hey, I, I'm, I, I, would, I think it would be good for the wrestling industry to have another product, another company out there. Jeff is, if nothing else, I mean, I, I wasn't crazy about Jeff's booking in TNA, but if nothing else, I give the guy a ton of credit because he just seems to have this crazy ability to find ways to just to find investors, people who are willing to buy into his wrestling projects. And uh, I mean, there's so many people that have tried and and just haven't been able to find that right investor. Where Jeff just keeps seem, seeming to line them up. I mean, Health South when they when TNA launched to the Carter family buying the company or you know most of it from him. I mean, it, it's been crazy. So. He's a go-getter, and hopefully it works out. I mean, but until I'm just kind of like, okay, great, another webisode, you know. I just like when you get when there's something to really sink our teeth into, then I'll get excited about it. Until then, it's just kind of like, all right, whatever, it's another webisode. Now, is is Jeff Jarrett? Uh, how do I put? Uh, let's put it this way: Do you think Viacom would actually have two wrestling programs, one on CMT, CMT, and one on Spike, or do you think that? In order for them to get on, you know, Viacom with, if they still interest in Toby Keith and everything there, does does TNA have to go the way of the Dodo Bird and say goodbye, or can there be two products on Viacom when it comes to wrestling? Now I know I think it was I believe it was Dave over at the Wrestling Observer was the one to report that Jeff had something in his deal or had to sign something that would block him from doing anything on Spike TV, so because he still owns part of TNA and all that. So Spike might be out of the equation, but I don't recall seeing anything about Viacom. And, I mean, that's certainly interesting. I don't know where I, – I mean, Toby Keith was definitely involved in trying to purchase TNA with Jeff at his side, and, and that didn't go through. I don't know if Toby Keith is still involved in this or if that's just something where when the TNA deal fell apart, so did Toby Keith's involvement. If Toby Keith is involved, then CMT makes a lot of sense because Toby Keith has a lot of pull with the people at CMT because of his stardom. So, you know, if there could be lawsuits over this, it could also be a case of Viacom just telling TNA, well, hey, listen, the other option is we just cancel you guys all together and uh, then we're free to do whatever we want with Jeff's group. And, and, and that, I'm sure, would make TNA go, well, you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be so bad if there were two wrestling outfits on Viacom. As long as it's not on Spike, go ahead. I just don't know. I mean, I, hey guys, can you even rule out this in this weird world of wrestling that somehow, some way, because you know, so many people feel like the TNA brand is dead, that somehow this all morphs into TNA changing its name to Global Force Wrestling? I mean, I honestly can't. <laughs> I can't even rule that out. That's a good. That that is a possibility. One last question: uh, In the next six months to a year, is what is your what is your outlook for for wrestling right now? Do you see it still being on the uptick, like Jeff Jarrett said in uh, the Fox uh, Business, I believe, story that came out today or yesterday? Or do you think it's going on a decline? Is it stay where it is? What is what is your pulse right now of, of wrestling? 
Well, I think in the in the business world, it, it's gonna it, it's ugly. Um, I don't know that there's going to be anything that's going to excite Wall Street quite like WWE Network and the television rights deals and, and all that did. Um, but you know, now that we're beyond that, Wall Street. I, I don't know that you're going to see the WWE stock surge for any reason, but I do think just as a viewer, I, I think we're getting we're, we're in the midst of a pretty good stretch here. We had two very good shows from Ring of Honor in New Japan. We had a, a, a a, a damn good takeover show. We had a good payback pay-per-view. I mean, the, the in-ring, once, you know, the storylines are what they are, but once you get past that and you get into the ring, there's some amazing talent. I mean, it's, I, I, I grew up watching wrestling in the early 80s and uh, the, the, the cartoon era of, of, of the WWF once that launched. And it, you know, it, it, I just remember it used to be, uh, you might get one, one or two guys that, uh, or one or two matches that were good if you went to a house show or, or even if you're watching on TV where uh, I guess maybe Saturday night's main event where it felt like guys were really working hard. Now it's like, it's just, it, it's every night. I mean, these guys, yeah, obviously they, they work a little bit, uh, they, they put a little more into it when they're working on television than, than they do at a live event. But there's, I mean, when's the last time you can recall watching a WWE show and going, Oh, so and so really phoned it in. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And I think they've got a, a, a they've assembled a great talent roster. Uh, creatively, I mean, eh, things could be better, but who's to say they won't get better? And I guess the thing that keeps me most optimistic, just from the WWE standpoint, is they do have all the incentive in the world to give people the best pay-per-view products they can while trying to drive people to the network. So, I mean, there's some years you get past SummerSlam. And it's just ugly the rest of the year. They start to clown they clown around with Hornswoggle walking through walls and things like that. Where now they have that incentive with, you know, the six-month wave expiring and just trying to get new subscriptions all the time to really keep those pay-per-views strong year-round rather than just the big four maybe deliver and you get a, a, another, you know, wild card or two in there that actually click. Now they really need to try all the time. So <laughs> as a viewer, that excites me. Jason, thank you so much for coming on with us and spending time uh, with Corey and myself on the Work Shoot Wrestling podcast. Corey is a paying member to uh, ProWrestling.net. Um, please let the people know how you know they you know go to the website and, and getting involved uh, on your website. Oh, very simple. Yeah, visit the main page of ProWrestling.net. We're doing news updates pretty much. If I'm awake and home, the site's being updated. If there's anything going on, that's for sure. Reviews of all the major television shows and pay-per-views. The member side is an ad-free version of the website. And I should also add, we have free apps available. Wherever you get your apps, just do a search for ProWrestling.net, and there's a damn good chance we'll pop right up. And uh, if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, all the perks of membership are available right there to you in a special member section. The membership, as I said, it's an ad-free version of the site. If you're listening to this, you're obviously into audio, and we've got a ton of it, uh, both the uh, ProWrestling.net live show. That's a free one on Monday nights at 10.30 Central, 11.30 Eastern, blogtalkradio.com slash ProWrestling, D-O-T-N-E-T. But in addition to the free audio content we give away, there's at least six hours of new audio content available just exclusively to the members. A lot of first-run news items in the .NET Weekly audio show. In fact, as soon as I get done here, I'll be posting part two of .NET Weekly. I had uh, that crazy guy, Johnny Fairplay, stop by, look back on some uh, old TNA memories, and we talked about some current stuff today. It's usually a news-filled show, and uh, the .NET Countdown show on Wednesdays normally, and hours and hours of, in, in, of interview content as well. 
If you're interested, like I say, visit the main page of ProWrestling.net. You can't miss the sign-up area. And for as little as $5.50, if you take the annual option, you can have access to all those perks. If you just want to try it out for a month, hey, $7.50. And, uh, hey, let me know that you heard about it on this show, and uh, maybe I can uh, work out a deal with you guys. And, Jason, thank you very much again for your time, and I will definitely be listening to uh, more audio, which is what I use just every, every day when I'm on my way to work. And uh, it's a great site, and I want to thank you again for uh, joining us today. Hey, like I said, guys, I'm just happy we were able to, to swing it. I know my schedule sucks. With uh, I try to uh, squeeze in two nights a week of softball during the summer just to get out of the house and away from the laptop. So, And I'm not a morning guy at all, so my, my window for – Doing this is small, and I hated to give you guys the runaround, so I'm really happy we were able to do this. I had fun. Let's do it again. Absolutely, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Jason. Right, take care, guys. Oh, my pleasure. Oh. oh, Jason, by the way, one last thing. Yeah. Go Packers, go. <laughs> I know you're a Vikings guy, so I had to throw that in there. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Other than that, it was good to talk to you guys. <laughs> take care, man. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, see you guys. Uh, Jason, that was one hell of a great hour of wrestling talk with uh, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net, which, like you said, I am a proud member of his uh, website. And um, like you said, go Packers go. I mean, I... I guess there's not much really to say after that, but, <laughs> you know, I think we learned a lot of good stuff there. You know, TNA is holding on by a thread. WWE, it looks like they're an upward tick. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what Daniel Bryan's situation is going to be. TNA, you know, oof, TNA's TNA is uh, he TNA. He was a little bit more uh, upbeat about the ROH card than we were when we spoke about it on Wednesday. But you know what? He's a guy who's a lot more than know, and he mostly has a better take on what people are thinking. And if he thinks that this is actually could be a pretty successful show, then I'm going to go with Jason and say, "Here go uh, ROH uh, in a couple of weeks." Well, I think ROH can be. I think the show can be successful. Uh, my, you know, I, I absolutely think the show can be successful, especially. And, and I'm glad he said the number around five to eight thousand, because I think that's a very attainable number. Um, that, that could be just kind of the hardcore ROH fans, which there are a lot of. I mean, there were 3,000 of, 3, of them in New York for just that one event that we went to. So I definitely think they can get that five to 8,000. Um, yeah, I, I see ROH possibly being able to do that. WWE, you know, we'll see how they do with these, some of these storylines. TNA sucks, so that's what it is. And we'll see what happens with Global Force Wrestling. But it was great for Jason to come on. It was great to have him. And uh, for people who want to go and get in contact with us, Jason, how would they uh, do that or follow you on Twitter when you have your rants and raves about TNA and all the other programs that yeah. you take your time out of your busy schedule to do? <laughs> um, so Twitter, we are on Twitter at, at Worked Shoot Pod, Worked Shoot Pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, also have a Facebook page, The Worked Shoot uh, podcast, so Facebook page, The Workshoot Podcast, and of course, to get our podcast, www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's workshoot.podomatic.com. And uh, like I said, it was two months ago, we did an interview with Mike Johnson from PW Insider. 
We've brought to you now a really, I think, a very good interview with Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. We're going to continue to try to get on great guests as often as we can and have you know some of our regulars come back. Chris, Christopher Morin from MorinsLawDoc.com and Eddie Z from the Workshop. I'm sorry, contributor to Workshop Podcast and from the Kitchen uh, Sink Podcast on. But for Corey Richmond, I like to thank, like always, Jason Brooks for joining me today. And we will be back next week for you. See ya.